again, boys and girls. Today we find out what happens to Green Group without Peta, and a whole lot of other things as well. Things are really hotting up in Jake's life. Let's join him, Amy, and the Green Group again. Seen your mum's new thingy with the birds and sky? Jake's dad asked that night. Brilliant, eh? Yeah, Jake couldn't care less. Ever since he'd spoken to Peter, everything felt dull and heavy. The phone rang. Someone get that, came Mrs Bremner's voice from the studio. I'm up to my elbows and old tyres. Mr Bremner was still chuckling as Jake lifted the receiver. Hello? Amy's voice was tight and furious. Peter's pulled out. Yeah, heaviness dragged at Jake again. She told me. I knew she would. She always does it. Takes over like the Queen or something, then dumps it when she's bored. She's got the corral, Jake said half-heartedly. They can have her. We're better off without her. No, we're not, thought Jake. But he said nothing. You're not going to pull out too, are you? Amy's words startled him. No way, he snapped angrily, enough to make his father look up. You better not, the phone voice said, or I'll... I'll run the bulldozer over you. Jake biked to the stadium site after school on Thursday. That way he could leave when he wanted to. He wasn't really interested in meeting the subcontractors. He wasn't interested in anything. Amy on her bike caught him as he approached the big Duncan Enterprises sign. So you've started thinking about pollution? Jake grunted and pedalled harder. Amy kept up easily. He glanced sideways to see if her bike had more gears, noticed that her legs weren't so stocky after all, and quickly looked away. She'd better shut up about Peter, he thought. Amy shut up about everything. She hardly spoke as Mr White arrived with the three remaining greens. Mr White wore a cardigan with uneven houses spaced across it. A couple of workmen stared at the cardigan. They'd probably get sacked if they built houses looking like those, Jake decided. Familiar faces from last Tuesday were there. The bearded bulldozer driver gave Amy a wink. Orange hat, the name's Max, he told Mr White. Gave her a cool look. Things were awkward at first. Mr White kept in the background. These kids are the real greens, he said again. Amy was still silent. Claire was shy. Simon made a joke about borrowing the bulldozer to tidy his room. Jake was silent also. He felt nervous in case the subcontractors recognised him. They didn't seem to, but then they'd been pretty busy with Amy last time. Darren started things moving. He wanted to know about topics Jake had never heard of. Soil permeability, contours, natural watersheds. Orange Hat Max answered with surprise that turned to approval. Jake felt a bit envious. It was Darren who re-explained their concerns about noise and runoff. And dust, it can blow for a couple of hundred metres, lies on the water, stuffs up things for insects and fish. Then the birds who feed on them have problems. Max nodded. How about we use hoses if it's dry, keep the surface watered? That should stop dust blowing. Cool, said Darren. Thanks. 
murmurs of agreement from the others. Orange hat Max grinned and looked different. The bulldozer driver winked again. These are good guys, Jake decided. They just want to do their job. Max seemed to feel the same way. No worries then? It all looks sweet, as long as everyone's sensible. Amy spoke for the first time. As long as you're sensible. She pointed to a stack of big red drums. What's in those? Max's expression was cool again. Diesel for the dozer. Why? What happens if they leak? The man snorted. They're not going to leak. How do you know? Anything might happen. Max's mouth went tight. The others stopped grinning. I think we should be going, Mr White said. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Jake rode down towards the sea again the following afternoon, Friday. He wasn't going to the wetlands. After Amy's effort the day before, he felt embarrassed about passing Max and his gang. He was going surfing. Conditions were good. Waves broke high and slow and even. Jake rode forehand along their fronts, turning to paddle and duck-dive out through the foam. He gazed towards Back Beach's north end, where waves broke and tumbled in all directions, and remembered Ken Duncan's words. He jerked. Hey, I'll see if Peter wants to try surfing. She looked interested when Mr Duncan mentioned it. I'll invite her down here. Jake scrambled ashore. He'd ring Peter straight away. This would impress her more than the greens. Gulls hung silhouetted against the sky as he started up the path. Just like Mum's tar sculpture, Jake thought. She got it spot on. I'll tell her. He stopped. The tall figure of Matt was coming towards him, surfboard under one arm. Matt didn't see Jake. He was busy turning to someone behind him, reaching out a hand to help the other person down. The other person was Peter. Matt looked embarrassed, then grinned. Peter gave a friendly smile. Hi, Jake. I've come to see what surfing's like. It sounded so cool when Mr Duncan mentioned it, so I asked Matt at choir practice. She asked Matt, Jake thought. Not me. He mumbled something and kept going. As he neared the top of the path, brakes squealed and tyres spun somewhere near. Jake didn't look up. In Saturday's Advocate, Ruth Rivers criticised the rudeness of shop assistants. I'd get rude if I had to serve her, said Jake's father, before heading off to the spare room. Work, 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 called over his shoulder. Jake's mum sighed. Seems like it sometimes. She looked at her silent son. Feel like going to Auntie Clarice's, love? Nah. Jake didn't feel like going anywhere. Want to lift to Back Beach, asked his dad after breakfast on Sunday. Looks like a good win for waves. Nah. No way was Jake going to Back Beach. Peter and Matt might be there. He went to the wetlands instead. The wind had died now. It was just a breeze that made flax dip and sway and sent ripples shivering across the water. Jake sat and looked at nothing. The fantail checked him, then squeaked off. A couple of black swans cruised by. Ducks had an argument in the rapo. There was no sign of the biting. Once Jack thought he saw a shadow in the reeds on the far side, but he couldn't be sure. 
When he stood up 45 minutes later, he felt better. He began riding home, not looking at the beach. As he passed the stadium construction sign, a Duncan Enterprises van drove away. Around the next corner, another bike approached. Oh, hell, Jake muttered. Amy's cheeks were pink from pedalling into the breeze. I've come to check on those builder guys, she told Jake. I don't trust them. Jake felt impatient. Get real. They're okay. Suppose so. Amy hesitated. Want to see if the biting's there? Nah, I better get going. Jake rode on. Halfway home, he almost wished he'd said yes. I want to see the green group in my office. Mrs Hayes' voice in Monday's assembly had heads lifting. Reckon we've won a prize, Simon murmured as the five kids trooped down the corridor. Mrs Hay closed her door. The Duncan Enterprises Stadium sign was vandalised last night. Someone tore it down and smashed rocks through it. Claire gasped. Darren said they... and stopped. The others stared. The principal watched them. I asked to see you because one of Duncan's surveyors saw two school-age kids near the site yesterday afternoon. Jake remembered the van. Me, he said, and swallowed as Mrs Hayes' eyes drilled. I was at the wetlands. And me, Amy added. I was checking the site. Like we're allowed to. The principal's eyes fixed on the girl. You understand why I'm asking. Amy's jaw stuck out. Nah, why? Mrs Hayes' mouth was set too. Try thinking about how you behaved before, Amy. You can't blame people if they... I bet they did it themselves, Amy glowered. It happened in America. Some oil company sabotaged one of their own wells, then reckoned conservation groups had done it. They're trying to make us look bad. Mrs Hayes' lips were thin. Don't be stupid, child. Amy glowered harder. Tuesday's Calcutt advocate carried a photo of the wreck sign with an angry orange hat max beside it. It also quoted Ken Duncan. Silly behaviour. Know the majority want this community asset. Amy scowled all day. After school, Jake saw her biking off towards town. At least she wasn't going his way. Jake woke on Wednesday thinking of Peter and Matt. He didn't make it to breakfast till his mother called him twice. His parents were leaning over the morning's paper. You'd better see this, mate, his father said. Not another Ruth Rivers column, Jake thought. Or maybe Dad's written a nut. Amy's face glared from the page. Calcott Intermediate's Green Group member Amy Preston doesn't believe sports stadium opponents vandalised the stadium sign on Sunday night. Amy, who last week staged a sit-down in front of a bulldozer at the stadium site, Claims the developers are more likely to have sabotaged their own sign. Industries do this all the time, Amy said. They want people to turn against conservation groups, so they deliberately... She's blowing it, Jake thought once again. From now on, the green group's just a joke.
On Wednesday morning, Jake saw Amy entering Mrs Hayes' office. Her face was tight. Matt passed. She's really stuffed things up, eh? Pity you guys have been doing a good job. Jake started to say thanks, remembered Peter, and gave Matt a half nod instead. No meeting today? Darren stopped Jake at interval. Mr White says wait till tomorrow. Let things cool down. A figure paused beside them. Jake's stomach lurched as he saw it was Peter. That was a stupid thing for Amy to do, the dark-haired girl said. Darren's glasses flashed. At least she does something, more than some people. Peter stalked away. Jake's stomach lurched once more. I'm rich, Jake's mum greeted him as he arrived home. I've sold my rubber birds on the glass sky. Hell, she added, I hope I think of a better title. Who bought it? asked Jake. Duncan Enterprises. Your dad told Ken D. He wanted to see it and he bought it. The guy's got brilliant taste. She looked at Jake. You never used the money from my other wetlands piece. Reckon now might be a good time to put something in the paper. Yeah, Jake thought. Yeah, we need all the help we can get. They didn't get much help from Thursday's advocate. Ruth Rivers was not impressed by Amy suggesting that Duncans might have damaged their own sign. Immature, trendy teachers to blame. Jake sniggered again at the thought of Mr White being trendy. Leave decisions to wiser heads. Mum should be looking for a dinosaur, not a rhinoceros, Jake decided. Actually, in the photo beside her column, Ruth Rivers looked like Amy. The paper also quoted Ken Duncan again. He disagreed with Amy, but understood her anger. Pity he's not on our side, thought Jake. Okay, I'm sorry, again. Amy's face at lunchtime was pink once more, but not about the builders. I still reckon they... All right, Amy, Mr White crossed his ankles, revealing green socks with pink squares. Jake, you want to say something? Jake remembered his dad's words. The stadium is about people as well as issues. We've got to stop making enemies. I reckon we should put an apology in the paper. The others looked startled. Then as Jake explained about the money from his mum's art beat sale, they looked pleased. Except for Amy. Put, we don't want to spoil people's enjoyment, Claire suggested. But we don't want people to spoil birds' lives, Darren added. Simon and Claire said they'd take the notice to the advocate. Simon winked. Now let's hope Mr Duncan doesn't send a bulldozer after Amy. Dinner would be late. Mr Bremner was working overtime again. So Jake rode down to the wetlands. More and more he looked forward to being there. It made him feel healed somehow. The sign was up again on the stadium site. He didn't look at the workmen as he rode past. He didn't look at Back Beach either. No other bike by the stile or hidden in the grass. Good. Jake headed along the skinny path, through the long grass, down towards flax bushes in the water. Amy sat there. You, how'd you get here? The girl looked awkward. Walked. 
Dad said it might give me time to think about being sensible. There was silence for a while. The fantail squeaked somewhere nearby. A pair of ducks with spotted brown breasts drifted on the water. Mallards, Jake remembered. I keep stuffing things up, don't I? Amy's words took Jake by surprise. You don't help, sometimes, he said finally. More silence. The girl's head was down. I don't mean to. It's just this place. When I imagine. Jake remembered the time. How many weeks back? When she'd said the same and he'd seen her crying. Yeah, that's special, isn't it? Blue eyes looked up. You reckon? If I'm feeling stink, I come here and... Jake stopped. Why was he saying this to Amy? His eyes flicked sideways. He lifted one finger to his lips. His other hand pointed. Amy turned slowly and looked across the water. The biton's pointed green beak and short fat neck poked from the reeds on the other side. As they watched, the bird stepped out, head jerking from side to side. It took a couple of paces, lifting powerful legs delicately from the water. It turned in their direction, head and beak up, body frozen in mid-movement. Amy and Jake sat motionless. The biton seemed to stare straight at them. It turned again, took another two long-legged paces and rose into the air, brown, black wings beating, neck tucked in. It disappeared towards the sea. Amy breathed out. It is so awesome. Do you reckon it saw us? Jake didn't reply. He was remembering the bird's yellow eyes gazing straight at him. And how the last time the biton appeared, Amy held his wrist. They sat for another ten minutes. The biton didn't return. A tiny movement on the water beside them and a spidery, legged insect went rowing across the surface. Water boatman, murmured Amy. Where's its outboard motor? asked Jake. They watched the skimmer vanish behind a reed. What did Taryn mean about all wetlands dying? Jake asked. They silt up with stuff the creeks and rivers carry in. Happens to them all, sooner or later. So why bother with this one? Jake hadn't meant it as a challenge, but Amy glared. Māori people reckon harming a lake is like blinding someone. It's all right if places die at their own speed, not when dogs kill them. A couple of workmen lifted hands in greeting as Jake biked back past the stadium site. Near the path to Back Beach, fresh tyre marks gouged the grass. Jake remembered the revving engine of last Saturday and frowned. Well, well, explained Mrs. Bremner at breakfast on Friday. Guess who's in the paper today? Amy? Ruth Rivers? His dad? Ken Duncan? Orange Hat Max? Jake looked over his mother's shoulder and saw Mrs. Hayes' name. The Calcott principal was replying to Ruth Rivers' Thursday column, which the editor had kindly shown her in advance. While she did not approve recent actions or comments by a certain pupil, that pupil in the school's green group had done excellent work cleaning up litter, providing rubbish bins, etc. A fast food restaurant in town 
had written to thank her because... Jake shook his head. He'd never understand adults. Hi, teacher's pet. Simon greeted Amy in room six. Amy glared. Mr White in a vast brown jumper cascading over his hips. Hid a grin. Nice letter from Dottie, Simon went on. Amy's glare changed to a grin. Mr White's grin changed to a glare. Claire spoke. Mum and Dad wondered if some of our church could visit the wetlands on Sunday, see what they're like. We don't want people tramping through there. Amy snapped. Yes, we do. The others looked surprised as Darren disagreed. Jake's right, we need people on our side. Can anybody help show them around? Claire asked. Everybody could, even Amy. Just to stop them messing the place up, she grunted. Excellent idea, love, Jake's mum said when she heard about the church group. And well-timed, his dad added. Ken Duncan would like a look too. How about you have a practice? Show him around tomorrow. A phone call from Ken Duncan on Saturday morning said he'd pick Jake up at ten o'clock. Wonder what he'll be driving, Jake thought, as he waited by the letterbox. A Range Rover, a Rolls Royce. He gaped as a dirty, dented old ute drew up. Mind if we stop for a look? Ken Duncan asked as they approached the stadium site. It's my baby. I love checking on it. They wandered past concrete foundations rising from the scraped ground, links of steel reinforcing rods, stacked drums of diesel. When I was growing up, it really bugged me that Calcott didn't have a place like this. Somewhere families can come and kids stay out of trouble. The man's face was proud. He sounded like Amy talking about the wetlands. Ken Duncan was counting. Hmm, thought we had more drums of diesel. Maybe Max has been eating them for lunch. He grinned down at Jake. Enough work talk. Let's do some bird talk. I've passed this place for years and hardly noticed it, Ken Duncan murmured as they sat beside a flax bush. A breeze moved ripples across the water. Two mallards paddled past, stopped and plunged heads under the water. Their feathery bottoms stuck straight up in the air. Ken Duncan chuckled. Reminds me of some of our board. The fantail appeared and told them off. The breeze blew harder. Flax and cabbage tree leaves began to stir and rattle. The place is getting really dry, Jake said. Then, as if they'd been rehearsing for the right moment, a V of Canada geese came curving down, wings beating the air, landing in noisy splashes that sent bow waves of water ahead of them, honking and creaking to one another. The geese paddled towards the far corner and quiet returned. Ken Duncan t turned to Jake. I can see why this place matters to you guys. Dottie's right. You're doing a great job. He glanced at his watch and stood. Thanks, Jake. And please thank the others too. As they made their way back to the ute, the man added, Some interesting folk in your group, I reckon. That girl. What's her name? She's got brains. She's got commitment. She should go a long way. Jake's stomach lurched as he remembered Peter and Ken Duncan exchanging smiles. She, she's left the group now. Ken Duncan looked puzzled. Jake stumbled on. She, Peter, wanted to concentrate on this corral she's joined. All right. Ken Duncan's face cleared. No, I didn't mean Peter. 
I meant. Amy. Jake's mum was at Auntie Clarice's most of the afternoon. Makes me nervous, his father said. I expect a truckload of old car bits to come wheeling up the drive. I'm getting a no-junk mail sticker for our letterbox, Mr Bremner went on. Think globally, act locally, every little bit helps. Jake, who'd recognised the words, stared. His dad laughed. Didn't I tell you I've been reading your handbook and listening to your mum? Claire's church group were due at the wetlands at 11am Sunday. As Jake biked past Back Beach Path, a voice called, Yo! Waves any good? asked Jake. Matt shook his head. Mmm, messy stuff. They watched the green, glittering sea. As casually as he could, Jake asked, Better not surfing today? Matt shrugged. She didn't like it much. Reckon she only does things where she can be number one. Jake pedalled on. A weight seemed to have lifted from him. Matt's right, he thought. He raised his head and rode faster. The church group visit went well. The Biton didn't put on a show, but Amy did. She was more polite than Jake had ever seen her. While she and Darren explained how the wetlands looked like most of the earth had looked in the Jurassic Age, Jake told Claire and Simon about Ken Duncan coming the day before. He didn't tell them the director's comments about Amy. Good stuff, said Simon. Surfies aren't fibreglass between the ears after all. Jake grinned and turned his attention to Darren, now announcing how the Yangtze River in China swept away 400 million truckloads of farmland every year. A young couple from the group said they'd heard about an adopt-a-river scheme where you planted trees on banks and cleared rubbish from the water. Jake saw the couple were holding hands. He thought of Peter, glanced away and glimpsed something in the dry reeds. Cigarette butt? Nah, couldn't be. Amy wanted to check the stadium site again. I'd love to know what really happened to that sign, she told Jake as the church group departed with pleased noises. Jake left her to it. He'd seen the site yesterday with Ken Duncan. As he reached the bend, he glanced back. Amy was striding around the stacked diesel drums. Beyond her, the biton flew steadily towards the wetlands. The dry wind still blew as Jake reached school on Monday. He felt pleased. Their notice was in the advocate. We don't want to spoil your enjoyment. We don't want to spoil their lives. There were even two little drawings, a group of basketballers and a group of birds that the paper had put in. That should make things okay, Jake decided. Claire and Simon were outside the library talking to Amy. The stocky girl's hair was getting longer and curlier. Notice looks good, Jake greeted them. Maybe we should thank Mrs Hay, said Claire, for her letter. Amy's mouth opened. Good idea, Jake said. Amy's mouth closed. They were entering the corridor when Darren hurried up. What's going on? We're taking Mrs Hay a thank you, said Simon. We'll sign on the dotted line. Darren ignored him. That guy with the orange hat, Max. I just saw him going into Mrs Haystack's office. A siren well somewhere on the far side of Calcott. What's going on? Darren asked again. A door opened further down the corridor. I was just going to send for you people. Mrs Hay's face had no expression. Come in. 
Orange Hat Max looked awkward without his hat. Another siren rose in the distance and was cut off as the principal closed her door. Mr Maxwell wants to ask you something. Max looked more awkward. There's a knock on the door and Mr White entered in flared green trousers and his crooked house cardigan. Max began again. There's some drums of diesel missing from the site. It wasn't us, flared Amy, before anyone else could speak. Amy, hush. Mrs Hay and Mr White spoke together. I'm not saying it was you. Max kept his voice level. All I'm saying is you've been there. Maybe you noticed. Amy broke in again. It's always us, isn't it? Maybe your stupid drums leaked after all, eh? Maybe you got rid of them yourselves. Everyone seemed stunned into silence. Amy stopped. Look, I didn't mean... The phone rang. Mrs Hay snatched it up. Not now, please, I... She listened and looked surprised. It's for you, Mr Maxwell. Orange Hat Max looked surprised too. Yeah, he said into the mouthpiece. You've... What car? Mrs Hay, meanwhile, fixed Amy with a freezing stare. Amy, you'll apologise to Mr Maxwell. You can't... Nobody was listening. Eyes were on Max as his voice rose. How many? At the fire brigade? Our own emergency crews? I'm coming now. The receiver slammed down. Max's jaw was rigid. The police have just picked up a couple of of our ex-employees after a car crash. The diesel drums are in the wetlands. They're leaking oil. And some of the wetlands are on fire. Oh my goodness, this is awful, isn't it? What on earth is going to happen? Will Jake, who seems to be understanding Amy a bit better, be able to sort this out? Or is this a job for the whole Green Group? I do hope the wetlands are okay. And all the birds. What do you think will happen after all this? Next time we finish the remaining chapters and find out. Lots of exciting things are happening at Books & Co in Old Tacky. Jackie and her team at the recently opened bookstore really know their stuff and can advise and recommend books for your Christmas and school holiday reading. Happy ready, children. Goodbye till next time. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.